You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here is your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, November 29th, episode 3312. Good morning, horse people. Ah, Wednesday, the day we cover Glenn's favorite topic. <laughs> Horse health. And Jamie makes you feel better about yourself with the latest weird news from around the world. Happy Wednesday. Well, I got to tell you, it's really horse health day today. We have, we have, we're going all the way to Ireland with Dr. Martina Needhart talking about kissing spine. She's somebody, I guess, you came across. Uh huh. And you've dealt with kissing spine a lot in the last couple of years. And Dr. Kate Workman's going to discuss body lameness. She's doing some seminars down here in Ocala, and we asked her to come on and talk about uh, her view on, which is a little bit different. Plus, I'm going to start telling you about Scooter's Rough Thanksgiving Day, and you had a first ride on Pharaoh, plus some weird news all coming up. Thanksgiving Day. So we went out Wednesday to the property to camp, and we thought we'd stay there over Thanksgiving and come back Saturday, which is what we did. Except it got, you know, we're kind of rough camping anyway because we have no water or electric. We just have what the camper has battery-wise and a generator. Well, Thanksgiving Day, we get up, and it was a beautiful day, and we thought, let's take the ponies out, and we'll do a ride-drive first thing in the morning. And it's about maybe 9 o'clock or a little after. And there's properties all around us. And the guy behind us does a lot of target practice in his property, directly behind us. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, well, the horses are so used to it because where we lived before, we had a gun range. They heard gunshots all the time. It was never a problem. They don't even look up. So, And they've been out there when he's shot many times. Well, we get Scooter all hooked up in the cart. Jennifer's all saddled up, and uh, Jennifer holds Scooter when we get the cart hooked up to him, and then she lets go when I'm in the cart, and I just go right around while she gets on. And as soon as she let go, the first shot went off uh, at the next-door neighbor property, and it wasn't a pistol. It was a shotgun or a rifle, and it was loud. And he, Scooter, just lost his marbles. And, you know, he doesn't even react in the field when they're shooting, but he lost his marble. And I mean, it was one second after Jennifer let go. So he lost his marbles. He bolted. He headed. I was trying to steer him as best I could. Uh, and he hasn't bolted in a long time, so he caught me off guard because it's been a while. And then he started heading to the camper and to the dining fly we had set up and to the truck. Uh, and I went between that. We managed to get between all of those without wrecking anything. And then I just got him to turn and I kept turning him. And we, and of course the guy kept shooting and we went round and round in circles for about five, 10 minutes until he basically wore himself out in the sand. Uh, but it was, that was, uh, it was a wake up call. God, that is terrifying. And again, this is what I found so scary about driving. I was like, dude, you can't like, if a horse bolts, like you can turn them 
And you can't do that with a cart. You can run them into a fence. You can't do that in a cart. You'll be sitting in front of them by the time you stop. I, I it's that's so scary. It, 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 what this what you know, and it's been years since this had happened. And as I said, they hear gunfire all the time. But it was just a combination of we had just gotten hooked up, and and it probably scared you and scared Jennifer. Yeah, oh, and yeah. everybody's adrenaline yeah, spiked, and exactly. he was like, "Oh my god, run!" <laughs> exactly. And we knew we weren't going anywhere. The property's perimeter fenced, but. Still, thank God a couple of things. We were gonna we were going outside the property right on the roads. Thank God we hadn't just gotten outside the gate on the okay, road. Okay, so being a steward of horse training, what did you do after you got him stopped? Uh, we, we, I mean, I basically drove him around, and we we man. He settled down enough that even with the shooting, he was able to drive around. Oh, so you didn't just quit? No, Good no, shot. no. We you can't do that. Uh, now the, this gets back to why this happens, and Jennifer had to remind me. I said, "Why does he do this when he hears the gunfire all the time? Doesn't even look up?" And she said, "You got to remember how the hackneys are trained. They try and get him up. They put firecrackers. They do all that stuff when they're harnessed." And mm. in the cart. So that made a lot of sense after. You know, it's the whole Helga Strand thing there, the dressage article that's been making the rounds. It's just, I wish we could get to a point where we don't do that kind of training with horses. Uh, and, you know, it's every discipline. It's not just, you know, it's not just hackneys. It's dressage and every other thing. discipline out there has its bad actors. And But that's why he did it, because he had just gotten harnessed up. And he's still a little bit... You know, he's still a little bit high when he gets harnessed up, and that's what the way they want him. They want him all bright and alert and, you know, high-stepping and all of that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, but it'd be nice if you could stop them. That would be, you know, yeah. a bonus. Yeah, well, which is probably why he flunked out of showing and ended up at an auction, you know, is because of that. Or it's somebody's Craigs- Craigslist ad, yeah. right? Exactly. Well, it ended up, you know, I think he went through an auction and then ended up at this, this, you know, dump in Florida. So I don't know. But it was, it was, then, uh, you know, we managed to walk him around the next couple of days and the guy must have shot 12 times on Thanksgiving Day. I don't know if he had friends over or what, but we're going to try and locate him. I don't mind if he shoots, but we're going to try and locate him and see if he could just text us before he starts. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd know. You know, everybody <laughs> out there shoots. It's rural, you know, it's just the way it is. But then that wasn't it. So then, we come in to the camper and we're making our lunch. You know, we're making proper Thanksgiving dinner at our at our campsite with no. And oh, there's more. Oh yeah, we're not done yet. <laughs> so then, so then I look down on the floor of the living quarters and there's water, and Uh-oh. I was like, oh, there's a puddle. Where's the puddle coming from? So I get under the couch, crawl under the couch, take the giraffe, crawl under the couch, and the water pump, which you have to use when you're knocked up the city water, is leaking. And it's not the line, it's the pump. So the pump shot, so we had to turn that off. So that for the next several days, we didn't have water in the, in the trailer. We had to use basically horse water for everything we were doing. And then, uh, you know, we have batteries on the trailer, but you have to charge them up every couple of days. They run the lights and heater and that kind of stuff. Um, and the, we start, we charge them with the generator. That day, the generator died and wouldn't run anymore. So, <laughs> so that was our Thanksgiving day, was leaky water, bolting pony, and a dead generator. The good news is it can only go up, right? Yeah, I mean, well, that's come on. <laughs> we're supposed to go for, we're supposed to go, for, Jennifer calls it type B fun. So it was definitely type B fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, do we really want to do Christmas here? <laughs> so we're going to do, in, a, in a, two weeks, we're supposed to go there for a week because our, our horse sitters are are 
they're leaving, so we're going to take the horses up there. But we need to get the generator fixed first and the water pump. So we're working on that. Mm, but we and then we got home and I had to, you know, do a sprint to get ready for Radiothon on Saturday. But we stayed. We we were roughing it, boy. We didn't have a shower for two days. I'll tell you what. Wow, that is so first world of you. So third world of you, really. <laughs> We have a bunch of auditor birthdays getting caught up on them, I think. Marlene Loenberger, Father Mac. Happy birthday, Father Mac. Uh, Debbie Marcus, Amy Lathy, uh, Amy, and then Mo Meyer. Hey, Mo, happy birthday to you, too, down there in Texas. And I also wanted to thank everybody that participated in the Radiothon, all the listeners who sent in songs and poems and all the hosts and everybody, sponsors, and uh, congratulations to all the prize winners. We had some very happy people. Uh, so it just it went off as well as we could have expected on our first video version of it. Six hours was the right length. I only felt half dead the next day and not totally dead. So, might have been some of the bottle of Prosecco I drank, I was going to say, did you really drink a whole I bottle think, of Prosecco? Yeah, I pretty much did. And I didn't realize it, because it, you know how that happens. It just happens one glass at a time. Um, yeah, I did. Um, <clears throat> the challenges of being a parent-child... Uh, you know, a couple thousand miles away continue. So my brother, my, my mom is having some, some, you know, issues. And, uh, so my brother has moved in with her, taken her into his home and like, is taking care of my mom, which is just amazing and wonderful. And being that they're in Florida and I'm in Oklahoma, I can't seem to, you know, get there every day to look after her needs. And uh, one thing that they did need for this new house that they rented together was a washer dryer. So I was like, you know what? I'll just buy it. Like, I'll just pay for it. You go pick one out and go buy it and I'll send you a check. So I'm like going through my accounts because I've been cyber Monday shopping, you know, and I'm like, there's a thousand dollars that has not been taken out that I've been, trying to mentally prepare for, you know, cause like, Ooh, that's a big chunk. <laughs> so out of my checking account. So I, I, I didn't see it. Um, so <laughs> I texted my brother this morning I, again, you know what, cherish your, your health and your parents' health. Cause sometimes it can, it's just going to get challenging. And so I texted my brother and I was like, Hey, um, Josh said you got the check in the mail, but, uh, I don't see where you cashed it. And he wrote back, I never got a check, but if you mailed it, mom has a bad habit of getting the mail and just throwing everything away. <laughs> she thinks everything is junk and she just throws all the mail and away. She's 90% right. Most of it is junk. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you want to keep that check for $1,000 maybe from your daughter. Like that might 
be something like if it's addressed to mom, yeah. like you may want to open it. It's probably not junk. So yeah. Um, so I just saved myself a thousand. Just kidding. I'm, gonna, <laughs> just yeah, you're good I'm like, I'm like, Justin, can you please get a Venmo or something? Just like literally join the 21st century, please. <laughs> like, just something. Like, Insta message you the money, please. But anyway, yeah, join the 20th century and get me. a PayPal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 20th, 21st, whatever. I'll, cash app you I, I don't have that one but i'll get it whatever you need i will get to be able to just directly give you this money because apparently my mom gets the mail and puts it all in the trash <laughs> i have accidentally thrown almost thrown away important things though before because it looks like they all look like junk now i know and nobody and gets checks in the mail like anymore no and yeah. then the ones that like I, I open them up and i'm like oh they got me <laughs> it exactly. looks like somebody exactly. wrote a letter, you know. It's like hand. It's usually printed. a card dealer that does those tricky ones. Exactly. Too. It's like Jamie, <laughs> thanks, and, and you it's open always, it up. We want to buy yeah. your car. It's never we want to sell you a car. It's we want to buy your car. But we want to buy your car. Yeah. But while we do that, we're going to sell also you sell one. you one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, how about we talk about Pharaoh? I want to talk about your first ride in Pharaoh. We'll do that after our guests. Okay. Okay, sounds wanna, good. Yeah, because I saw the pictures, and I'll we'll post a picture of it in our show notes today, too, uh, and we'll find out if he's a good boy or not. As the holidays approach and you're decking the stables with festive cheer, don't let those pesky rubber mats dampen your holiday spirit. They're a pain to clean, they're hard on your horse's hooves, and they just don't add much to the holidays. This year, give your horse and yourself the gift, the gift of worm flooring systems. The Slaced... This is, this, is Ashley, this is Ashley that wrote this. The oh. Slaytastic solution for your trailer barn or other commercial or residential that space. doesn't even make sense. Sense. It's slaytastic. <laughs> Worm flooring systems are like a holiday miracle for That's your true. floors. Non-porous and slip-resistant, cushioned and textured, safe and seamless, extremely durable. It reduces shock and fatigue and insulates your trailer as well. So this holiday season, ditch the rubber mats and upgrade to worm flooring systems. Your horses and your wallet will thank you. Visit wormflooring.com to learn more about worm flooring systems and to find a dealer near you. And happy holidays from Worm Flooring Systems. And I know some of our listeners are looking at getting it right now. They were they were posting about that. So. Treat yourself, man. It is amazing. I love it so much. I'm so happy I have it. Well, let's get our first guest on. I'm so excited to talk to Dr. Martina Neidhart. And uh, some of you guys probably recognize her name because she is one of the most generous uh, with being on the Facebook page, Horse Vet Corner. She's always helping people answering questions. And that is where I actually found you. So good morning, doctor. Good morning. Thank you for that very nice introduction. You didn't know you were famous, okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> famous with horse people, for sure. I, I mean, so um, one of the things that I saw, which I have been dealing with a lot for the last couple years and I'm kind of dealing with now, is uh, kissing spine. And somebody had posted some x-rays of their horse, some radiographs, and, and saying that their horse was diagnosed. Which one would you do, the bone shave or the ligament snip? And I thought your answer was one of the best answers I've ever seen, and I learned so much. So uh, let's take it from there. Like, if you were to answer her question, let's have a discussion. What would you tell her? 
first of all, we need to know how was it diagnosed? Because like, you know, x-rays do not tell us a lot. Um, 80% of the horses who have no back problems will have changes to their dorsal spinal spinous process on the x-rays. So that is like, that is massive. So without clinical signs, there is like, there's no evidence that those kissing spines that we call them um, are actually a problem. So the first thing is like to differentiate between x-rays and horses who have a clinical presentation of back pain in that area. Then there is like, what is the underlying issue for that? Because yes, there is a very, very small minority of horses and you can test them genetically for kissing spine, but they usually show clinical signs of pain already at the very, very early stage. That means a year or two year old. What we have now in, in most of the horses where we see kissing spine, they're older, they're ridden, and then the question is, why do they develop it? Kissing spines are usually secondary to an underlying issue. Like I said, the only primary case that we have is congenital one, and all the rest is secondary. So if you would just treat a clinical sign, because that's what kissing signs are, you are not doing the horse a favor long, long term. I'm coming from um, a part of vet medicine where we do a lot of rehab and preventative medicine. And that's why I like to look for the underlying um, reason. And there's many, many options that can cause kissing spine. And usually, like I said, kissing spine is secondary to another issue. Uh, do See, you want to go more into detail what those issues well, I, are? I yeah, well, I think that that's what surprised me was uh, how many how many times you said it is secondary to other issues because yeah, if you look at some radiographs, so we're gonna discuss my my young thoroughbred here in a minute, uh, Doctor Nighthart, but. You know, I, on x-rays, he presented with not kissing spine, but his some of his uh, back issues, the, the spine's processes were like a little too close together. And what we mm -hmm. discussed, he had just come off the track. And what we had discussed with the veterinarian in Kentucky was he's been working with his head up and like on his, you know, on his forehand and running kind of in an a U shape where he needs to be like in a C shape, you know, as a, as so yes. one of the things we talked about was to work him the correct, in the correct posture and to let him kind of relax and let those tense muscles relax and then see where we are in a year of just doing some physical therapy. And so that I know was one thing mm -hmm. because you were very adamant that these surgeries are, are not really proven or may not help in every situation. No, and if you look at the success rate that you have, um, anything between um, 60 and 70% success rate, that tells you already that it can't be the primary issue because otherwise you would have 90% uh, or 100% success rate. Um, and, and we have very kind of like 30% failure rate is quite high. That means every third horse you do the operation on will not profit from it. Mm -hmm. Just to be clear, these are very high numbers in my opinion. So we have to see what is causing it. And what you described in, in, in off-the-track thoroughbreds, we do have several problems leading to those very narrow gaps or even kissing spines. A, 
like you said, uh, how a lot of them are trained and are running. They're running um, with speed. They get balance from speed, but not from strong core muscles, at least the majority of those horses. Then through the pounding of the speed onto the hoofs, and often they do have quite a weak hoof capsule because there is a lot of concussion going through those feet uh, at the very young age when the um, cartilage is not finished growing. So they compress um, the cartilage and their digital cushion. So you get a very low to even negative plantar angle. This will cause more stress because like if they have low PAs, especially in the hinds, we know that that causes problems along the whole dorsal um myofascial lines that we have deep and the superficial so you get um, the problems in the feet where you rarely see them in the hinds but you get suspensory problems you get hock problems you get stifled problems you get problems in the muscles of the hindquarters so especially the gluteal there is a study who proves that you have SI problems and you have lumbar um, fascia problems like the the big thoracic lumbar fascia that's holding everything together and is responsible for transmitting forces from the hind end to the front. So this is just from improper foot balance, what we often have with them. And you can try that yourself if you stand up and kind of like stand on your heels, that is the same tension or puts tension on the same line. Your back is automatically going in a kyphosis. So Mm -hmm. that means your 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 dorsal spinal processes will getting close together, even if we are uh, biped and horses are quadruped. But it's the same line that gets the same tension, and and this is what's happening to the horses. So correct posture is absolutely impo- important for those horses to even build up strong core muscles. The other thing is when they have been running for a while like that or moving for a while like that, we do get instability of the whole spinal cord and the the um the bones the spine the, the bones of the spine itself so we can get for facet arthritis this is something that's often overlooked and happens much earlier than actually the kissing spine and what happens when we have arthritis or problems in the nerve innervation due to problems in that area the little muscle the multifidi muscle atrophied. That means we get an instability there. If we have an instability there, we will get facet arthritis. The horses start to splint and go into a compensation pattern and that's what we usually see. And that's when you have the kissing spine. The problem is it's very difficult in certain areas to x-ray that because it's just such a big mass, we can't see it. And, mm-hmm. But that is often now that where we have more and more people doing dissections on horses and looking at bones and stuff like that, we actually see, oh, my God, so many horses do have spondylosis. And there is more and more pathology emerging saying, oh, yes, horses can have this prolapse. It's just a little different than what it is in human because it's not uh, the same anatomy of the discs. But these are things that can happen and that are like underlying issues for their compensation pattern. So just to cut the dorsal spinal ligament or or some of the interspinous ligaments, what you do when you do the so-called snips is like giving more instability to an area that's already unstable. And that's why 
even the surgeons who do those operations, they say you need to do rehab in addition to the surgery. And that is like the most important thing. Otherwise, we will not have success. So they are aware that there's more going on and you need the stability of the back because you need targeted um, exercises to build up multifeed again because once it's atrophied, if you do not do targeted exercises and under and stop the inflammation in that area, it will not come back. So that begs the question, what are some of the exercises? Like I know my veterinarian gave me kind of an idea of like working long and low and long, I long line him over elevated trop holes and, you know, using the Pessoa system and just getting him moving, going up hills, you know, things like that to get him moving in core strength. So what are some of the things that you, first of all, let me back up. Where are you right now? Because I hear a little Scottish accent. <laughs> I used to, I'm originally from Switzerland, then I used to work in Scotland for a while for several years, and now we're in Ireland. So, um, Oh my God. Yeah, has all three accents all in one. <laughs> I kept hearing like something I've kind been of traveling like European. A lot. Yeah. Oh, so interesting to listen to you talk, by the way. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So anyway, sorry. So what are some of the exercise? I just had to get that out there. So I was so distracted trying to figure it out. No. <laughs> so, so just long and low is not ideal because if if your horse, it depends what you define as long and low. If long and low means the head is down on the ground, that's wrong. Because then they still go because they put too much tension on it and go onto the forehand. They still can walk work in a in a back that is not engaged. They can cheat. Horses are absolute world champions in compensation. And they will do what's the easiest and not often what's the best, especially if it's difficult for them in the beginning. Um, So the head should be somewhere around the chest that, and then stretch forward, but not too deep. Because if they go too deep, they just compensate and cheat. Sure, sure. Um, We're not looking for for Western pleasure, quarter horse, nose on the ground kind of thing. We want nice forward, over the back, engaged, you know, forward motion in the the correct place. And any kind of equicore system, no matter which one um, you're going to use, because there is now a lot on the market uh, from the from the original Equicore systems that uh, Narrell Stop and Hillary Clayton developed, there is like very nice research there showing how you can engage those um, critical core muscles, how it helps develop multifidia and stuff like that. So this is really a good one. And it's more efficient than a Pessoa system because the horse can actually stretch in all directions while engaging from behind, while when you have a Pissoir system, every time the hind leg goes towards the back, it will pull in its mouth in the front on the contralateral side. Okay. Just because everything is together in a cycle. That's why I prefer the, the equibands. And you can, in horses who are very weak, you can just start with the belly strap. And later when they get stronger and need to engage more from behind, you can use the hind straps in addition. There is okay, also some yeah, there's also some way you can start to help them with the rib cage when they're too weak in in the thoracic sling. So when you can use that up or you can use um, beads 
They're also a very nice tactile stimulus that you can use just to help them, depending on where the weakness is in the horse. Um, and, you know, some do have like anatomical variations or, or problems like um, ECVM is something that's now more and more discussed and more and more accepted as being more than just an anatomical variation, depending on um, how it looks. These horses will all have back problems who have ECVM. In, in right, one I'm looking up equine so. complex vertebral malformation. Okay, ECVM. Yeah, I've yes, heard of that. Yes. So, what were you saying? Something yes. about beads? You were saying something about? I, I didn't understand. The, have you ever heard about the um, the beads? These are like tactile stimulus. So you have like a, a big ring around the chest or or a low thing, and then there's like little. Um, it looks like like little cords with a little bead at the bottom. So every time the horse is moving, um, the bead hits the chest. So what it does is like it tells them, oh, they get more awareness for that area and that makes them use their body a little bit better. I, I'm looking that one up. I'll try to find that. I don't see that. Maybe you can send me a link to one of it after we're done. So I will, that I will. I will. Okay, and so with that... And then cookie stretches. Oh, yeah. Cookie stretches are absolutely brilliant. And um, there's like how to train your horse's core. I think it's from Hillary Clayton and Errol Stops. It's a very nice picture book. It's available again where they tell you how to do those exercises and how to hold them. Usually it's like five repetitions for at least five days a week. And, you know, these repetitions, you hold them for... Um, sometimes it's just one second. Ideally, you would hold them for five seconds. But, you know, don't do all of them at once because often the horses, especially in the beginning, they're not able to do five correct repetitions at once because they're just getting tired. So you can do that. Perhaps if you go to your horse and say hello, do one of these stretches to all the directions, like say left hind to the hock, ventral down and right to the side or something like that and then just combine and then the next time is after you having cleaned him and then before you go you mount him after you've ridden him and before you say goodbye and that is like five times where you did those exercises and it did the correct one and you had to hold him for five minutes because like you know like the more often you do that but the less intense the muscle has more time to recover and can build up faster. Does okay. that make sense? Yes. And so that um, I, I'm going to email you for a copy of this book you're talking about and for the beads and all these different therapies that we can do, because this is definitely, it's like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's always been around or it's a new thing. I mean, it just seems like in the last 10 to 15 years, it has become an endemic problem with with all of our horses so this is all fantastic information um we, i could talk about this uh forever with you um <laughs> and we could keep going but sorry. so no 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 it's great um so i would love to have you on maybe for a follow-up as well but also to get these links and to make sure that everybody understands where they can go and if anybody needs to get a hold of you and has further questions where can we find you um, we have a Facebook page that's called Irish Equine Performance and Podiatry because my partner is a farrier because, like I said, we do see a lot of foot problems 
and uh, and also together, you know, for the rehab or they have a tendon injury or something like that. And and often podiatry goes together with the rehab. If you do not have a correct balance in your foot, you will have problems with rehab for no no matter what kind of of mm. problems you are rehabbing. Gotcha. Oh, it, it, one one last thing that everybody can do, and you don't need an extra thing, if I'm allowed to say, is like um, wither wiggles or, or or balancing. You know, like just hold the withers and gently rock them from the left to the right and from the back to the front. This is engaging the whole thoracic sling, and you can do the same when you put your hand on their SI joints. And just or their sacrum and just push them forward and backwards, left and right. If you watch them just with very little pressure and very little sway, you can see how they have to engage their core muscles and how their abdominals are uh, contracting and their chest muscle. And if they're relaxed, you can see it even down to their ears. You can see the whole body moving without moving. And these are core muscle exercises that's something you can even do with a horse that had a colic surgery and is now down to box stress or had another injury and can't move the same with sure foot path you know you can engage those core muscles without moving a lot especially in the beginning these are so so important I love it. I saw that you were a fan of sure foot pads as well. And uh, my horse lives on those. So again, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Nair. This has been an amazing amount of information and uh, I think you need to write a book. Thank That's you. it. <laughs> this horse health report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Next up is Dr. Kate Workman and you are out of Georgia. Am I right? I'm actually out of North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. And but you're doing you're doing some talks down here in Ocala, and that's what I noticed and why I wanted to have you on was the subject of your talks. But tell us a little bit about what what's going on as far as the talks are concerned. Sure. So I'm helping um, Dr. Audrey DeClue do a uh, series and talks. She does a podcast, um, the Horse First podcast, and. It had generated a lot of traffic. It's how I actually found her. Um, and we decided to finally do kind of a conference that is open to owners, veterinarians, body workers. We had a pretty good mix at the first one. Um, just kind of going over what we call body lameness. Um, it's not really a recognized topic um, for a lot of horse owners. But once you start educating people on it, they realize that most horses have some degree of body lameness um, or injuries going on that causes some movement patterns or muscling asymmetries that occur. Um, and our goal was just kind of bring awareness of it. And so we wanted to start with, of course, the first, what is normal? Because unfortunately, especially in performance horses, none of them are really normal <laughs> and to be expected, right? Because they're athletes and all athletes have injuries over time. But until you can recognize what is dysfunction or what is not dysfunction, then we can't really proceed any farther, right? It's the basis for starting to evaluate a horse. Well, we, um, and, and we all know, you know, we do the endurance show here and we talk a lot about baseline too, because they always are looking at, you know, heart rate and how fast they come down and all those things. But you're going, that's beyond that, right? Yeah. So we really, this first one was mainly postural stances. Um, for instance, right, if your horse always points a left front, 
that's not normal. That that is your horse trying to tell you that something's wrong, or they always rest a hind leg, or they sit against the wall in their stall, or you know various posture abnormalities. So we started with that, um, and then looking at shoulder symmetry and thoracic sling symmetry, um, and we wanted to go into some of those things in order to give people an idea of clues that their horse is really giving them to what areas of their body might be dysfunctional or need some help. It's interesting because uh, we've had, I don't know if you know Dr. Wendy Ying, but she's been on our show for the last 10 years uh, and she's a traditional vet, but also a Chinese medicine vet. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, she always talks about the first thing they do when they go out to a call is they do what they call their body checkup. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're looking at all those points. Exactly. Like when I, when we have a horse come for an evaluation here in North Carolina, I watch them get off the trailer and then they have to stand in a stall. And people always think we're just chit-chatting for a while, but I watch them in a stall. How do they stand? How do they move about? How do they lower, raise their head? How do they chew? All of these things are clues to try and give us an idea of what's going wrong in an area that traditional medicine can't image, right? So I can't get an MRI of a horse's back to know what's going on, but they give subtle clues. And so we really wanted to raise awareness to that because just like anything else, prevention is always best. And so if we can get people to recognize what is normal in their horse and what is abnormal and then address that when it's a mild issue, we can really make headway versus something that's been going on for years and years. But, you know, that's hard because it's like anything else. We're with the horse all the time. So if there's very gradual things that are changing, you don't always notice it because you're you're part you're, you've been there with them every day. And that gradual thing's been gradual, right? Exactly. That I think is actually less common than the owner that noticed all these things, but never was told they were important, right? Mm. So you know your horse, a rider knows the horse, the grooms are normally really, especially good grooms know, oh yeah, so-and-so always sits on the left bucket in his stall. They know those things. They're just not aware that that is a clinically relevant information. And I think most owners that I deal with are like, well, I've always brought up that the horse always rests his left hind, but nobody ever made a note of it. Nobody ever cared. Nobody ever worried that my left rein was always tighter than my right rein or, you know, very subtle things. I think we've talked ourselves out of them being important and a good astute horse person notices. They just didn't realize it was important. And so they don't bring it up. Um, I do for sure have some owners that, you know, I'll go, has it always done this? And they're like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. But I would say, actually, I think a lot of owners and riders and grooms really actually know their horses and they have been disenchanted by veterinarians not really listening to those types of mm. concerns. Yeah, right. I mean, that if yeah. they brought up a bump, right? Okay, yeah. my horse popped a splint. Everybody can talk about that. But when somebody goes, you know, the left scapula has always been a little bit more bulged than the right. Most conventional veterinarians aren't really sure what to do with that. And so nobody brings it up anymore. Are you, are you traditional Chinese as well as that? I am not only partially because I just haven't had time to dive dive into that. You're going to be down here. The Chi Institute is right there. (laughs) I know. And I've done their prereqs and then I just get behind, but I have a really good Chinese medicine vet that's close to us and works on all my rehab horses. and, And it's a critical part. Audrey is certified. Um, and, 
it's definitely a critical part. It's just something I haven't gotten to my test and, right yeah, now. <laughs> it's interesting because the Chi, uh, the Chi Institute or University now um, does they did they do our show once a month. So they had an episode that uh, came out yesterday, I believe. So, uh, so I've learned a lot doing that over the last ten years. Um, well, Glenn, you should go ahead and get certified. I yeah, mean, no, come on. that's okay. I'll let I'll let that to the doctors. So, what <laughs> if we're if you're a horse owner, what would be the one or two we don't have time for the whole list, but the things that should really jump out to us, following up on what you said before, the hind leg, what what would be the one or two things that we should look for and go, okay, that's something I need to address? For me, I think most dysfunction starts in the thoracic sling or what we call the shoulder girdle, because I'm going to include lower neck, early thoracic, as well as the thoracic sling in that section. That happens because we ride them before they're physically fit. Saddle fit is questionable in a lot of cases. And I think the hallmark of dysfunction there begins with scapular asymmetry. So if you stand behind your horse, look down their back and look at their two scapulas or hold up your phone and take a picture if you can't see, your horse's scapula should be symmetrical. They should be even. They shouldn't be displaced. They should have even trapezius muscle coverage. And frequently I noticed with horses is that started to happen. Let's say the left scapula gets larger and larger and larger. Well, that is the more painful side normally. That is the originating side. And then what ends up happening is the horse overloads the right front. So then you get a low right front foot and you get a tall left front foot. And that happens and that happens. And then the horse suddenly has a navicular or a tendon problem in the right front when really it started with the left scapular becoming dysfunctional. And so that's a photo that I always encourage people to take. It's a great tracker of how your horse is doing if rehab or physical therapies are working. Um, And it's a good indicator that something is going wrong when they've gone from symmetrical to suddenly asymmetrical. And it's a good place to go, okay, I need to take a step back and listen to that. Um, And then I would say secondary to that is to listen to your horse walk on a hard surface and just walk. But horses will give you clues that they're weighting one side more than the other. Um, And there's a lot that can be obtained from a walk. And unfortunately, we just don't watch horses walk enough. Um, I know, but that is one thing. It's interesting. I always like listen to the horse walk. I mean, granted, half the time I'm just seeing if they have a loose shoe. But I mean, that is really telling just how they like clip, clump, clip, clump, you know, one hit. Exactly. They walk out of the stall and they'll trip on one front foot coming out of the stall, right? The one front foot catches the edge of the stall and then they go, and and you can hear them. Um, And that horse might jog and flex perfectly sound, but something is not normal. And so those are really good places to kind of start with, I would say. And I think that's where most dysfunction happens. And then the hind end becomes dysfunctional because it's taking the brunt of the front end starting to deteriorate and and everything like that. But those would be the starting points for me is, is I tell my clients to create a horse journal and once a month take confirmation shots and the back shot of your horse. Because like you brought up earlier, when you look at them every day, like our rehabs that live here, when you look at them every day, you might not notice these incremental changes, but if you can go back to six months ago and compare photos, well, then you you have a basis to go, oh, wow, it didn't used to be like that, or it changed within this time frame. And so I always encourage people to keep a horse journal of what is going on, what therapies helped, what didn't help, 
farrier changes, right? If all of a sudden your horse needs a wedge on a front foot, well, something has changed. Um, and the horse journals really help people keep on top of that. Uh, Jamie trains thoroughbreds off the track and retrains them for, you know, find new homes. And Jamie, I bet you almost every one that comes in crooked, what she's talking about. Oh my gosh. I, I, just between her and the last guest, I have so much, I've learned so much and so I have so much to work on really is what you're telling me. <laughs> so much homework And the thoroughbreds are, you know, it, they're an interesting cohort of patients because the racing industry does so much damage to them. And I'm not bashing the racing industry. I grew up with racehorses. I grew up in that world. But until we realize that you had a top athlete as a two, three, four-year-old, that means their body has taken a brunt. Like the best training, the best whatever, it still takes a brunt. It's the equivalent of a human gymnast. They were super competitive at 16 by 2022. They're kind of phasing out of that phase. And I think for thoroughbreds, if people appreciated and recognized what had happened to them, what physical ailments had happened in their bodies and then go, okay, well, I know these things are wrong. Let's, you know, figure out a way to go forward. I think that's a huge thing in the thoroughbreds. I could get on a huge tangent about thoroughbreds, which I'm not going to, but. Well, that's one thing I love about them is because they have done this job as a youngster and you say they're ready to move on. I feel like so often people think that these thoroughbreds are that, you know, you get them off the track and they're these fire breathing dragons. And no, most of the time they just want to calm down. They just want to like focus on something else. They don't all want to just blast all the time. I mean, most of them don't. I've started over 150 of them and all of them are so grateful to not do that job anymore granted they love it when they're doing it and that's their thing and they're trained for it and fit for it but when they come off the track they are ready for a second career they all look forward to doing something different and part of the thing is you just have to prove to them that their world has changed and prove to them that their body is not going to feel the things it's felt before and their brain is not going to be put in the situations that it was put before so i think that that all of it ties together and uh and i think that pretty happens much in any discipline if you take a reining horse or a cutter that was super competitive and hauled across the country as a young horse when they transition into a second career you you have to be with them in that transition that that their life has changed you know those horses haven't had turnout they haven't had basic horse functions they and and giving them that time to kind of readjust is is critical i agree well, this has been very interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to attend the lecture here in Ocala, it's going to be at the Marriott. Um, yep. And your first one, I understand, is November 18th and 19th. Is it a series? Yeah. So the first one was November 18th and 19th. That should be, by next week, should be available to view online. Um, okay. So they recorded it and had it in post-production. And so you will be able to go on um, to Clue Equine and purchase the online tutorial and then the next one is going to be in February. It's the second weekend of February. Don't quote me on those dates in my head. Um, and that one is actually going to be on normal and abnormal biomechanics. And, and how should a thoracic sling function? How should a hind end function? Um, in order to attend the second one, you have to view the first one online, which is about eight hours of material. Wow. Um, because you can't worry about how they move if you don't recognize their standing postures that are abnormal. And so... 
it will be a series. Then we will have a later one in the spring that is on the effect of tack and equipment and rider effect on the horses using the ethogram of pseudicins to kind of evaluate horses. Um, and so it's going to be awesome. All day Saturdays are lectures and then Sunday are case presentations. So those that are attending oh, can bring a case that's been bothering them or they're not really sure about. And we talk about it with a panel of veterinarians and the last one will have saddle fitters and things like that as well. Um, so it's been a, the first one was a great time. And like I said, if you can't make it to a cow, they will be, per, they will be up online. All right. Very good. Well, thank you for joining yeah. us. I'll put a link to it in our show notes so you can just scroll and find the link, uh, directly to this. I do appreciate you joining me and, uh, yeah. thank, thank you, Dr. Workman. Non-GMO whole food nutrition is the basis of the entire daily dose equine program. We never forget that natural is better and simplicity is key. Daily Dose Equine uses non-GMO whole food ingredients like alfalfa, timothy, peas, sunflower seeds, and flax. Daily Dose Equine doesn't use fillers, bulking agents, or leftovers from other industries. So you can feed less, yet improve body condition and energy. And our feeds are free from chemical residues and glyphosate. Find the perfect formulation for your horse at DailyDoseEquine.com. Select Daily Dose Equine formulations are available nationwide through Chewy.com and TractorSupply.com. So, Jamie, I know we talked earlier about uh, me seeing pics of you riding Pharaoh, which is your first time you're riding Pharaoh since you got him, right? Yes, I, I sat on him in Kentucky. Remind everybody so he, who Pharaoh is for the new listeners. Pharaoh is actually his name is American Hustle, and he is an off-the-track three-year-old that I adopted from New Vocations in Kentucky. Leandra Cooper called me and said, hey, that horse you've been dreaming about is here. And I was like, well, I don't need another horse, but um, I'm on my way. So I hopped a plane, went to Kentucky. Ducky wrote him. I'll take him, brought him home. But of course, you know, t there's just a lot of therapy things that need to happen for a three-year-old set um, 16, three hand off the track thoroughbred. And so I've treated him for EPM. He's on a second treatment. Now he's on all these herbs and supplements. He's got Sherpa pads, he's got the therapy. So I'm doing all these things. And so my veterinarian came back out to recheck him again. And she said, well, he now knows where his feet are. So you, because I've been having, yeah, yeah, it's really, really disconcerting when they don't know where their feet are, Glenn, and that's a product of EPM. Um, it's just, it was just his hind feet. He wasn't quite sure where he's placing them. And, and anyway, so he's doing a lot better. I did opt to treat him for a whole nother month. Um, you know, I, it's just money, whatever. Uh, but I'm like, let's just throw the kitchen sink at him. So now he's doing so much better. I, I've been long lining him up in hills and then on ponying him on the trail and just doing lots of stuff with him. Um, kind of a, and I've got a lot more ideas after talking to these women today. Um, but she said, you can, I said, can I just like maybe like tack walk him and like take him or pull? She's like, yeah, absolutely. He now knows where his feet are. So you can sit on him. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, uh, day four yesterday was the first time I was able to sit on him. And I was, I mean, I, I, I video Chad videoed it and he, I just took a screenshot he, and I was like, Oh my God, look at that smile. He's like, you were smiling like that the entire 20 minutes <laughs> you tack walked. I mean, it looked him. like you were very happy up there. I was. I was very excited. So he's got, he's he got, got a, a long brain? way to go. 
Oh my God. That's why I've got him. When I showed up at new vocations, they were taking x-rays, which is how I learned about his back issues. And and I got some ankles x-ray and all these things. Um, and I said, you guys, I was coming to see him. I wish you wouldn't sedated him. And Leander goes, He's not sedated. No, I was like, excuse me? Yeah, I don't see Leander doing that. <laughs> She's like, he's he's not sedated. This is him. And she actually said this is a very typical kind of uh, demeanor for uh, an American pharaoh baby. They're all just like super chill. And he is the calmest dude. I mean, he's just so calm. So uh, I'm really excited to be able to do all this stuff to him and, and, and help him and move him forward. And I can't wait to see what the future holds. But yeah, I wrote him. Yay! Yay well, congratulations. Thanks. And Chad was probably very happy to see you get some use out of that horse, too. he doesn't know what i do with him down there and he's just like so you're riding him you've had him like two months i'm like i don't need to always discuss all the medical veterinary (laughs) issues with chad like he just thinks he's down in the barn i'm riding him because when we hear medical veterinary issues the only thing a horse husband hears is cha-ching yeah that's all we hear cha-ching that's all we hear that we don't hear the what's wrong or any of that stuff we just hear which is why it's maybe not that important to discuss it. Just handle your business and move on. <laughs> well, as you know, Stateline Tech is a sponsor every Wednesday, and I have good news for all of you. It's the holidays, and starting at Radiothon, they are offering a 30% off code, and the code is HRN. By the way, our coupon codes are always HRN for all the companies that we deal with. I just add them into everything I buy and see if any of them work. <laughs> I think a lot of regular listeners do that. So it's HRN. You're supposed to get 30% off your order. So uh, definitely give that a try. Do not forget it when you're placing your order with Stateline Tech. I know a lot of you are ordering gifts and things like that right now. So I just wanted to make sure you all I'm remember. I'm shopping right now, but I'm shopping for me. So okay. it, <laughs> like, it counts for that too. It doesn't have to be a gift. But the blanket def- that I'd like is on sale for $78 and it's usually like 120 So I'm super excited. All right, there you go. HRN, remember. It's State like it's Line free, Tech. Glenn. That's right, it is like it's free. StatelineTech.com Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. I know we're running a little long, but I feel like it's like a Wednesday staple to yeah, do the we, weird news. We, so. have to, we, we were very serious today. We have to end on something not serious. Well, Glenn, there is something very serious oh. I have to discuss as a oh, first geez. story. So sorry, but um, so I just want to thank all the people that support Weird News by reading news and going, dude, that's so weird. I'll email it to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com, just like Delia, who, by the way, sends me the most bizarre, awesome stuff. Uh, Delia, Ina, Laureen, Danielle, Jenny, Julia, Rebecca, thank you guys all for um, sending me Weird News Story. We're going to start with this very important one, Glenn, and it's serious because, you know, when you go to Harvard, you go to, let me see where, University of Texas, Arizona State, Stanford, UC Berkeley, University of Florida, yeah, and Harvard, you expect only the highest level of education. And now, Glenn, when you go to any of those colleges, you can now spend time learning about 33-year-old pop star Taylor Swift and her world. They have classes. That's right. They have a Taylor Swift Is it how to make yourself a billionaire class? Is that what it's called? (laughs) 
Um, they are focusing on her evergreen songwriting, and oh. they're going to draw parallels between Swift's enchanting lyrics and works by other famous female masterpieces. Um, and also, you're going to learn groundbreaking things. Okay, groundbreaking things about like how the- to write songs about your exes. A, basically, you're going to draw. Yeah learn kind of to read uh, between the lines of what she's sometimes saying. Um, but yeah, you're, it, it's called Taylor Swift in her world. And the, another college calls it musical storytelling with Taylor Swift and other iconic female artists. They're going to be the fullest classes at that college. They're going to need a we stadium to do these we, classes. We will learn how to think about illicit affairs and hoaxes, champagne problems, and incomplete closure. Oh, my God. That is on the course description <laughs> from Harvard. Did you see the video when she was down in Brazil, was it? I think Argentina, Brazil, one of those two. Did you see the video of her escort, of the escort not. of her driving through the streets? She, she, it looked like a president was in town. They had, a, <laughs> they had all the traffic stopped. There must have been... 20 police cars leading the way, and they had the street completely cleared, and it was Taylor Swift coming through to the concert. All right. Go, girl. <laughs> Live it. You've made it. More than most presidents, I would say. Oh, man. Don't. Just don't leave the keys to a forklift in the key in the forklift key holder thing and 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 if you do leave the keys in a forklift don't park it next to a middle school okay <laughs> what they do a 12 year old boy in ann arbor michigan stole a forklift and led police on an hour-long chase <laughs> At like 20 miles per hour. And they drove all the way through Ann Arbor. And finally, he even got out of city limits. And they had to like dispatch the next town over's police to come and take care of it. He drove this. So this 12-year-old boy steals this forklift, hops in it. There's a total video of the whole thing, which is fantastic. Body cams are amazing. Um, the 12-mile-an-hour chase down the road. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it got up to like 25 miles an hour. Really? He was like hauling mail. Uh, apparently, he hit like 10 cars. He just kept banging into things. I, I, I think one of the quotes from the police in, in the video of the pursuit is the Ann Arbor Police Department says, he's lowering the hooks. Don't go in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad dude, man. This kid was chased by police for an hour driving a forklift. I don't even know how he, how he knew where he was going, how he knew how to drive a forklift. His identity was not released because he is a minor, but shocker, he was taken in custody Saturday night and put in the juvenile detention center. <laughs> I, I wonder what he's, can you imagine his parents, the bill they're going to get? Or do you think his friends were like, oh, you know, he thinks he's like super cold because he did that. And like your life is ruined because yeah. you did that because yeah. you're an idiot. Sorry. You can't, usually at this point, we say alcohol and drugs are a problem, but I'm kind of thinking that's not the case. In this that's one. probably not the case. <laughs> but you know what? Give me the next album. <laughs> drugs are bad. And, and you shouldn't sneak drugs 
into um, when you're trying to visit your friend who's also in jail, especially if you have a rap sheet, including DUI, resisting arrest, marijuana possession, fleeing or eluding police, possession of drug paraphernalia, leaving the scene of an accident, disorderly intoxication, driving without a license. If all this are on your rap sheet and you're going to visit a friend in jail, don't bring him drugs. However, just know that if you have that kind of rap sheet and you are going to take your friend drugs, you can't hide it in your underwear. More specifically, you can't tape it to the underside of your body parts in your underwear. Are you picking up what I'm putting yeah, down? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying it. to be real cool. Yeah, I got it. So was uh, they found a plastic cylinder containing meth in that previously described location. And he goes in and they're like, excuse me, we're going to patch you down. They're like, what is this? They take him in. They um, undress him and found this item. And what did he say, Glad? What did he say? It wasn't mine. I don't know how it got there. He goes, it's not mine. <laughs> That's the Florida it line. It's our state motto. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine. I didn't do it. He did not place the cylinder in his underwear, he told the sheriffs, but speculated that it was somehow, quote, placed there while he was asleep. <laughs> I cannot Somebody... tell you how many times I put on my underwear, underwear and find cocaine. I cannot and, tell you. It happens all the to time. to your wiener. And a cylinder <laughs> taped to your wiener, Glenn. It wasn't mine. I didn't do it. I just got up and walked around. Now, later he did recant his statement. Well, actually, he kind of committed, I don't know, it's a double jeopardy when he was like, um, well, I mean, I didn't know it was there. I just thought I had Advil. And I thought it was <laughs> that was Advil. <laughs> Drugs are so bad for you. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That's it. Next story. Oh, by the way, do you want to guess where that story was Florida. from? Oh, yeah. It yeah. was in Florida. <laughs> and we're going to wrap up with the last Florida story. That's right. Oh, I this think young... it, this only happens because in Florida, we report more of these things. The police report no. more of these things. No. 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 It's just Florida. Because, you know, Sandra Jimenez and her boyfriend, loving, sweet angel couple, live together. Been together for eight years. I mean, it's a, and and if you look at the photos of them, I mean, you just can't question why anything would go wrong. But unfortunately, Mr. Jimenez was asleep um, on the couch, and Sandra, forty-four, leapt on top of him and stabbed him in the eye with a needle. Jeez. Why, Glenn? I don't know. <laughs> because he looked at another woman. Well. He looked at another woman. Now, he didn't step in the eye. He pierced the, her his eyelid. Um, but do you know what he she used to pierce um, the eyelid when she jumped on <laughs> him and stabbed him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, what had happened was they had just given their dog a rabies shot. <laughs> and, and she used the rabies needle <laughs> to jump up on him and uh, stab him while he was sleeping because he had looked at another woman. But you don't have rabies needles in your house. Like, that's a shot you have to get from the vet. 
You can't just buy a rabies shot, I don't think. Maybe you can in Florida. I don't know. It's Florida. Everything's weird. But see, what happened was uh, she realized that she was like, I probably shouldn't have done that. So she left the house. She stormed out. And the police were called. She went to the hospital. He met with the officers. And he said, this crazy woman, she stabbed me in the eye with my dog's rabies needle. And they were like, all pursuits, find this woman. And guess where she was? At the bar? In in the garage, oh. in her car, <laughs> asleep. <laughs> she fell asleep? She was a wily criminal, Glenn. <laughs> she was in their driveway. My guess is alcohol was involved. <laughs> I'm sure nothing happened. It was just she was very angry because uh, she was mad. You know, I kind of yeah. think over the next week we're going to get a lot of the Thanksgiving stories coming out, too. And it's, you're going to be overloaded with weird news stories. Um, so far, most of these happened on Saturday. So, I mean, <laughs> okay, what small business Saturday? <laughs> awesome. There you go. Those are your weird news stories. Again, if you ever see a news story and you're like, wow, that's really weird. Email it to me, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line. Thank you all for sending in your stories. Well, that's it for today. We're going to have a, just a short uh, post-show for the auditors. I have a couple announcements for them. And then uh, we are going to have no show tomorrow. Uh, we're dark. Actually, it was supposed to be Horse Husbands, but because of uh, Radiothon, we did not get to record it, and also Rich was sick, too. <laughs> just like everybody's been sick here lately. Uh, so we're, we'll, we'll get back to that. Uh, but Friday, we're going to be here, and we're going to announce a bunch of prizes uh, for for really bad ads this month. And anybody that contributed last month will be added to those prizes so you don't don't worry but we do have prizes for you this month and we'll announce those on friday and then uh, i cannot believe we're going to be in december that's just crazy this year just <gasps> what happened what is up with it? i'll give you one more weird news story in the uh post show because okay. I, I, it was not safe for work okay. Faded or down. 